Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm legitimately excited about this because I think it's going to be so fun and funny. Okay, I'm going to be honest, I was not super hyped up about this, like, when we were guiding them on about it, because, like, you know my issues, like, with um, some quizzes and tests and stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, but then I started getting into it, and, like, now I'm just like, oh, like, I have, I have so many feelings right now, <laughs> and I ended up, like, bringing in some more church quotes, and I was like, this is why we need to discuss this kind of thing, like, we can't ignore things that we don't think that we like, like, relationship compatibility, we need to discuss all the things, sort of. Discussing all the things. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for today, if you have ever been on Instagram or a dating app, you will see profiles that have traits like ENTJ, Slytherin, Virgo, Dorothy. And I mean like Golden Girls Dorothy, not like Wizard of Oz Dorothy. I was wondering. Yes. Thank you. I figured I needed to clarify that. Ooh, <laughs> you, you always hear, I'm looking for what the, I'm looking for the pat to my gym. Yeah. The Pam to my gym. I hate it when people say that. But anyways, so you'll always see profiles with traits like that, along with many more things that all come from personality tests. Now, you are entitled to feel however you want to feel about personality tests, whether you're pro or against them, but this is something that we thought we would dive into a little bit because we think they are fun. We also think they are a good way to open up conversations about who you are, how you're trying to improve, and how your sense of self is developing. So we are going to be talking about different types of personality tests and other wild things that people hyper-focus on when it comes to relationship compatibility. Yes, so we do take these with a grain of salt, but honestly, being self-aware in any mode can be insanely helpful. It is, it, I mean, you need to know who you are to know the kind of people that you're going to be good with. And when it comes to relationships here, we can talk about marriage as well as friendships, um, working relationships, all the relationships in the world. Mm-hmm. I found my least favorite quote. It, it's one of my, it's one of my least favorite quotes said by a prophet and president of the LDS church. It's your least favorite? It's one of my least favorite. This is like one of my favorites. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We'll discuss anyways. I, I, okay. Okay. So, okay. So President Spencer W. Kimball, he taught that soulmates are fiction and an illusion. And while every young man and young woman will seek with all diligence and prayerfulness to find a mate with whom life can be most compatible and beautiful, yet it is certain that almost any good man and any good woman can have happiness in a successful marriage if both are willing to pay the price. Yes, soulmates are fiction, but that last line, if both are willing to pay the price, like, kills me. Like, I found, I've forgotten it said that line directly, and I choked when I found it. I was just like, no, what? No. It's not okay. I don't think that's okay to say. Not, I'm not going to be compatible with almost anyone, and I'm not willing to pay the price that will get me into a marriage with any available young man. I agree. Okay, so the reason why I like this quote so much mm-hmm. is because, one, yes, soulmates are fiction. That's not true. Like, you could be compatible with multiple people. It doesn't matter. Like, there is no such thing as a soulmate. If we had a soulmate, we would be born with it. And we would already have it from the time that we were an infant. It's just, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Number two, I do like that they say that almost any good man and any good woman can have happiness and a successful marriage. I do enjoy that because it is very true that just about anyone can build a successful relationship. If you are willing to put forth the effort and work together as a team to make the marriage successful. I do agree with you that I don't like the way that he said, if you're willing to pay the price, because I will never be willing to pay the price with certain people. However, if we just cut off that part of the, that last little bit (laughs) of the quote, I think it would be a perfect quote. Well, then it does help that he did say that any, almost any good man um, and good woman, like, you're not going to have a successful marriage with someone who is, I'm not going to say bad, but someone who's not willing to put in the effort, who's not willing to try and be a good person in any or almost any context. Exactly. 
I, I understand that. So it's the almost and the good parts that I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, too. So, okay, nice. Okay. okay, so for our first section, we're going to dive into love and romantic compatibility. Okay, there is one specific test that we thought we would highlight in this section. You guys all know it. Everybody knows it. It is the five love languages test. Literally, everyone knows about this test and everyone know what their love languages are. So this initially started as a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, who has been a pastor and radio host turned into an author. This book is meant to help you understand how you interpret acts of love and communicate that to your partner. Since its release in 1992, it has grown into a mega empire with books about the five love languages for couples, for singles, for people in the military, for teens, children, a podcast, and a dating app called Love what? Nudge. <laughs> no. No way. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So I had no idea. So to further illustrate this, here is a quote from the Five Love Languages website. Quote, you love each other, right? So why does it feel like you're not on the same page? The most common issue in any relationship is the communication barrier. Everyone experiences love differently, and it's easy to miss the mark when it comes to showing that you care. With a little help from the five love languages, you can learn to identify the root of your conflicts, give and receive love in more meaningful ways, and grow closer than ever. Your love language profile will explain your primary love language, what it means, and how you can use it to help connect to others." End quote. Truly, this is meant to help you better identify how you recognize and communicate expressions of love in your life. It is not meant to be a compatibility test or to define your relationship. It's meant to help you be aware of your needs in a relationship, the needs of your partner, and work together to break down those communication barriers. Well said. Nice and simple. Um, I do know that the love languages does have its flaws, but it is useful in helping people to communicate in that way because I've definitely been there. I, and I think we've, I mean, we've all been there at one or two points in our lives where it's just like, I can tell that this person is saying this or they're doing this, but I don't understand why, or this isn't working for me. I just wish they would do this. There are, there's always room for miscommunication and misunderstanding in any type of relationship. But the more we begin to learn how we operate, we can learn how others operate and find that connecting point. Exactly. So just to refresh your memory, if you forgot what they all are, or if you've never heard of this before, the five love languages are one, receiving gifts, two, physical touch, three, acts of service, four, words of affirmation, and five, quality time. So Kaylee and I both took the five love languages test. We're not going to tell you guys to like, you know, do all these tests without sharing our own results. Yes, we actually, so. all of the tests that we have in this episode, we took. <laughs> so we can yeah. tell you what our results are because that's what's most important to us right now. <laughs> really? Yes. And it'll show how, you know, how compatible we are as podcasters and how compatible anyone else is with us as in our friendships and everything. Yeah. All right. So Kaylee, what were your results for the five love languages? My results are very similar to what they have always been. My first one used to be receiving gifts, but it has since changed to quality time. Learned to enjoy being around people a little bit more. So that's at 40%. Um, then it's receiving gifts, then acts of service and physical touch, which used to be my very least ones, but now they have grown a little bit more important. So, you know, growth. And then finally is words of affirmation because I don't, I don't know. I have nothing to excuse that, but words of affirmation are at least likely at 10%. So. Okay. How about you, Tracy? So for me, um, my most important language was acts of service at 33%. Okay. Second is quality time. Both of those I already knew because my time is very precious. And if I am giving you my time, then that means a lot as well as I am generally serving my friends and the people I care about, so I would like to receive service in return mm -hmm. for my love. <laughs> so <laughs> those were my top two. Um, next, I had words of affirmation at 23%, physical touch at 13 and <laughs> receiving gifts, 
<laughs> this is always super low. Receiving gifts was 3% for me. Oh my gosh, that's so low. <laughs> it's not important to me to receive gifts. Like I don't, I don't care about getting gifts. I really don't. Like I want your time. I don't want trinkets. I don't want it. Plus, I throw stuff out all the time. So, like, I really don't want more crap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The majority of all my belongings are all very sentimental. And I, I think it was at the point where I was like, people come and go. So I'd rather have something to hold on to, those precious memories, knowing that I will probably never see these people again in my life. Uh, but, I've yeah, I've started to reprioritize that. Like, okay, I do want to get that time in, even if it is short. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And gifts are easy to give for me easier to give than anything else because then I can give it to them and then I'm done. So then I can still be the introvert that I like to believe that I am and like go do my own thing and be like, I showed you my love. Now I can go away now. <laughs> that makes sense. It's not, it's not the best way, yeah, but I, I do enjoy my alone time. So I don't, I don't want gifts. I don't want yeah. them. <laughs> Good to know. I will no longer, I don't want it. I'll never give you anything ever again. <laughs> Although if we do that, the murderer box thing, I do want that. that. Okay, good. I was starting to think of rules last night, literally. So because we need, I need to start like talking to people and getting things figured out like next month. I'm excited. Okay. (laughs) That's going to be great. So with that, it's important to note that your love languages can change over time, just like Kaylee already said. Um, Your love languages can change as your circumstances, relationship status, and more change. So it helps to use this as a springboard for communication and self-reflection instead of thinking this is a definitive test that is set for the rest of your life. Exactly. Well said. So take it with a grain of salt, but it can help. It, it can it can help. We're gonna dive into my my actual personal favorite because personality tests are fun and ridiculous because they get so creative sometimes. Yeah, and like sometimes they like super hit the mark and sometimes they don't. And then I love how like some get like super specific and others are just like the vaguest things. Like one of my favorite ones told me the kind of like medieval person I would be, and I think I ended up as like a witch or something. And they're just like, you're crazy. You like to be alone and you hate people bothering you. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that is me. I just felt really seen in that moment. So it was great. Oh, I love it. Right? But okay, so obviously there are thousands of personality quizzes online that, you know, will tell you what Disney princess you are, which Marvel character, horror movie survivor, what horror crux, and, and more things of what you could be. So we don't put a lot of faith or focus into those because they're just mostly for fun and they're not really created by anyone with any kind of psychological background or knowledge. However, there are a few good personality tests that we felt that we need to highlight because they are based a little bit more in psychology in helping people to understand and unlock insights about who we are, how we perceive the world around us, and they help us to understand other people. Yeah. First up, of course, is everyone's favorite Myers-Briggs type indicator. So that's the one in TFJKLMNOP thing. <laughs> that. <Yes>. So the <laughs> Myers-Briggs type indicator is an introspective self-report questionnaire indicating differing psychological preferences and how people perceive the world and make decisions. So the, t- the test overall attempts to assign four categories. It's either introversion or extroversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, judging or perceiving. All right. Okay. So this is interesting though, that the original versions of this test were constructed by two Americans, Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers. In 1944, the MBTI was based on the conceptual theory proposed by Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, who speculated that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions of sensation, intuition, feeling, and thinking. The woman added functional types J for judgmental, rational, thinking slash feeling, and P for perceiving, irrational, sensing slash intuition. You guys can read all this in, on Wikipedia if any of it is confusing. All right, Tracy, let's start with you this time. Okay. What is your results? So I got ISFP-A, which is known as the adventurer. What? Yeah. 
basically, it is someone who likes connecting with people and ideas, um, who likes spontaneity and exploring, but at the core is an introvert who focuses on improving themselves with introspection to recharge, which sounds very accurate to me. That does sound like you. Yeah. Yes. I like that. I like that. Has yours changed over time? This is the first time I've really taken the test, so I don't really, I don't know. <laughs> uh-uh. I took it all the time when I was in my teens. I don't know why, but this this makes absolutely no sense to me. I've been an INFJ something all of my life for as long as I can remember. However, it's been like five years since I took the test and I changed. <gasps> I changed a good bit. I oh changed two. And it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure if I believe this, Tracy. So what is your change? So apparently, I'm the campaigner, which makes sense if you look at my Facebook account. (laughs) But to me, it doesn't feel that way. So it says that I'm more extroverted. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's a lie, you guys. (laughs) it's a lie uh it says i'm more intuitive which i think you kind of are maybe sort of sure um more feeling yes definitely everything i do is very rooted in my emotions and more prospecting which was interesting because i've always been judging um because that was very much my personality so i consider this growth like i'm trying to prospect and learn and educate myself more than just make snap judgments um and then i've got the t at the end which is turbulent um so definitely that one yes so overall it basically said i'm a true free spirit and i'm just like what (laughs) i can see it yeah, I feel like I feel like I do, I would still have to be like more um, self like self insightful. Like I feel like to be a true free spirit, I have to be prepared to go like climb the mountaintop and just sit there for like five days to find my inner peace. And I couldn't do any of that. I can't find my inner peace. I don't want to climb a mountain. I don't want to be in the middle of nowhere for a few days. Like I don't know. I don't think that's what a true free spirit is. I think a true free spirit is more someone who marches to the beat of their own inner drummer and like does what they want to do regardless of what society and people around them and like rules or whatever tells them that they need to be doing they just do their own thing and I see that in you thank you I I do see that perspective so thank you for sharing that I I do need to like work on that perspective I think but yeah I've definitely been a very independent person so Mm mm-hmm I, I guess I can see some of these changes. I'm not, I'm not, not sold on the extroverted part though. I can do it in public, but I would like to be home by myself by like 9 p.m. So I can have like five hours to myself before I go to sleep. And that, and that is your true free spirit speaking to you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There go. So. We're going to move on to the next type of personality test, which is called the Enneagram of Personality. So this is a model of the human psyche of nine interconnected personality types, which are one, the reformer and perfectionist, two, the helper or giver, three, the achiever or performer, four, the individualist or romantic, five, the investigator or observer, six, the loyalist or or loyal skeptic, seven, the enthusiast or epicure, eight, the challenger or protector, and nine, the peacemaker or mediator. So these types can also have wings, which are additions to your core type. So it kind of gives you the opportunity to have multiple branches to your personality. So this one was new for me. I had not done that before. And I had not actually really read through that list of the nine interconnected personality types until you read them off. So now I'm just laughing at how much it's trying to say about me. So, okay. (laughs) So with that, what are your results, Kaylee? Why is it so funny? My independence. (laughs) I'm 99% the individualist. Wow. Which is funny because I didn't realize, like it said the the romantic was a part of it. So I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Because (laughs) I mean, I okay, I, I didn't like too much of what it was saying about the individualist at first, um, even though a good portion of it was true. 
And it basically said, I'm super single and I'm paranoid. And that is me <laughs> in a nutshell. So I accept that. Oh. Um, then I was 95% for the skeptic fair. And then my other main wings, I guess you could say, were over 80% for the giver and the achiever. Okay. So That's good. that does make sense to me. I do like to help and I do sometimes like to perform. So I I feel like this is fairly accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can work with that. All right. So yeah. How about you? Um, so I am a combination of multiple things. Similarly to you, multiple things. I ended up matching 98% for type one and type eight, which are the perfectionist and the challenger. Um which if you know me, yes, that is very accurate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I strive for my own perfection, but I will fight someone if they try to challenge me on it. Like, I will kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got 92% for type two, which is the helper giver. Nice. Which, like we talked about earlier, I serve for the people I love. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. And then 87% for type seven, which is the enthusiast, which, (laughs) yes, Yes. I am very optimistic and positive and enthusiastic. So like, let's do this. Yeah. I think they got me pretty well. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I do like the ones I do come with uh, their term wings, um, because then it's not like you're not just feeling like you're put in a, you're not just funneled into one concept, but it shows you like, okay, what are your other core um, attributes that help tie together to create the whole person that you are. I do like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people aren't one dimensional. We're multi dimensional and we're multifaceted. So obviously our personality should match mm-hmm. that. Exactly. All right. So the next one is for you to talk about, Tracy. Okay. So this one is called <laughs> DISC. It is a personality test more for the workplace, and it will tell you what your working personality is from four different categories, which are dominant, influential, steady, or conscientious. Okay. This quiz asks you multiple questions about how you handle projects, how you handle workplace problems, interpersonal things, and many more. And most people end up with a core personality and a secondary type, which is called a tail. So this test isn't available online for free, unfortunately. So Kaylee couldn't take this test. Nope. I don't have any money for this. (laughs) I wanted to include it because this test reads you to filth. Does it? When you take this test, it gives you a thick packet of information that describes you, Uh how you handle projects, and then how you interact with each of the different personality types. So I did this while I was working at Universal Orlando, Uh and my personality type in the workplace is a D. I am a straight D, dominant. Like an example of a D would be like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. That is a D in the workplace. And that mm-hmm. is how I am in the workplace. I can definitely like, <laughs> see that, Tracy. <laughs> but I have an eye tail, which means that I am also good with people and influential with people, which is very accurate in the workplace. So, so if your company offers this kind of test, I strongly recommend taking it because it's very fun and it's very insightful on how you can communicate with different people in the workplace and how people need to communicate with you. It's really helpful. Cool. It's a great test. I mean, personality tests are fun. And when other people pay for them, then it is also very fun. So. <laughs> then they're even more fun. Spend <laughs> <laughs> other people's money. <laughs> um, all right. Then, of course, one of our one of our next favorites, I, I, I do think, um, would be the Hogwarts Houses. Because everybody knows where they belong, whether or not they've taken the Hogwarts Sorting Hat quiz. This is very much the definitive personality test for millennials. Yes. Seriously, like whether you've taken on BuzzFeed or on Pottermore or somewhere else, like there's also a very good one, uh, just as accurate on quizexpo.com. 
So basically, these quizzes, they tell you which Hogwarts house you'd be in if you were a student at Hogwarts. And I mean, we all love this because we grew up with Harry Potter. We we grew up with the stories and the movies, everything. And even though J.K. Rowling is majorly problematic, we can take this love for the houses and everything. Like, they are amazing and we love them and we know where we belong. So I have taken almost every Harry Potter sword and quiz that I could find. I like I did it on a recent trip to, with my family to Universal because um, we were all trying to figure out like where everyone belongs. And I took it like in the midst of the Harry Potter craze like all the time because I was desperately, of course, wanting to be in Gryffindor because, you know, that was the cool house at the time. And I I never ended up in there. And that is a okay because I don't want to be in Gryffindor. I've been Ravenclaw like like forever. Like that's literally that is me. That is me. I am Ravenclaw. It makes so much sense. Like you, I took the quiz a million times when I was younger because I really wanted to be in Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. And I think I was sorted into Gryffindor when I was younger. But then when I when Pottermore came out Uh and I could take like the definitive quiz that like really the true quiz from from J.K. Rowling herself, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. I got Hufflepuff and I had an identity crisis. I was like, who am I if if I'm a Hufflepuff? Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. And then as like, as a couple like days went by, I started like thinking more about like what Hufflepuff values are and like what people are like in Hufflepuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is totally me. Like this, there is no denying this is who I am. And now I have truly found home in Hufflepuff house so yeah I am proud of it well I mean it's especially great since in your disc personality test you're dominant right which is not always seen as a Hufflepuff trait but when you look at the whole cohesive concept of what Hufflepuff represents like it's all there like you you can be there you do belong there you're totally Hufflepuff and with the mascot of a honey badger i mean it's not a honey badger but we all say it's a honey badger like they're they're chill they do their own thing they're happy all the time and then if you try to come after them they will kill you so like they will mess so like that's me that is me 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's beautiful yeah i like that <laughs> all right so now we're gonna right. move on to our next session <laughs> Our next section, which is my personal favorite, astrology. Hey! We had to bring this up, you guys. From Wikipedia to explain astrology a little further. Astrology is a pseudoscience that claims to divine information about human affairs and terrestrial events by studying the movements and relative positions of celestial objects. Astrology has been dated to at least 2 B.C., has roots in calendrical systems used to predict seasonal shifts and to interpret celestial styles as signs of divine communications. Many cultures have attached importance to astronomical events, and some, such as the Hindus, Chinese, and Maya, developed elaborate systems for predicting terrestrial events from celestial observations. Contemporary Western astrology is often associated with systems of horoscopes, that purport to explain aspects of a person's personality and predict significant events in their lives based on the positions of celestial objects. The majority of professional astrologers rely on such systems. We felt like it was important to explain a little bit about what astrology is, what the difference is between Western astrology and Eastern astrology, and go a little bit further into this. So we wanted to start out by talking about Chinese astrology or the Chinese zodiac. So we're going to highlight that a little bit more because it is the most widely known form of astrology besides Western astrology, which we'll get into after. It is it is super fascinating. I loved being in China where they still have Uh, representations of the zodiac and i did try to learn a little bit there i have since forgotten everything um but doing research for this episode like brought some of the the enthusiasm i had for it back um so overall the chinese astrology it's based on chinese philosophy and the theory of the three harmonies heaven earth and man it includes the concept of yin and yang 
the five phases, which are elements like wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. The 10 celestial stems, which are the days of the week, essentially. The 12 earthly branches, which are the animals marking the years. And the shichin, um, hopefully that's pronounced almost correctly at least, uh, which is about timekeeping. So the Chinese zodiac has 12 animal signs to represent different personality types based on cycles of the years on lunar months and as well as two hour periods of the day. So these include the rat, the ox, the tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. And as we do talk about this, of course, we are not experts about any of this. Um, and we do want to highlight that if we do get anything wrong, we do apologize. And we will continue to do our best to correct ourselves and correct our mistakes. Because we do want to be respectful of all the beliefs that, that other people have and rely upon. Yes. So right now we have just begun uh, the year of the ox as of February 12th of this year. Yay! Yay! Um, so that is pretty awesome. One of the helpful sites I was looking on just, um, just to start gathering some more uh, pertinent information was also besides Wikipedia, it was the Chinese new year.net. So they had like a little bit of fun, insightful information. It's a great website and it not only shows you like information about each specific year, but it shows you like if you are like year of the tiger, it shows you how you relate to whatever the calendar year is currently. And you can put in your birthday and someone else's to, to judge your compatibility. So I put in, so I put us in, I put in our years and our compatibility. So let's go through those. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> let's find out. So Tracy, why don't you start off with your year? All right. So I am the year of the snake. The year of the snake is among the most popular and lucky signs of the Zodiac. So I feel very blessed to so have that. Nice. My life does not reflect that, but I feel very blessed to have that knowledge now. There you go. Um, those who were born in the year of the snake are enigmatic, intelligent, and wise. So like Kaylee said, 2021 is the year of the ox. And for people born in the year of the snake, this year's horoscope is generally good, whether it is for work or in the arena of finance. Snakes, you will get the help of your people. Owing to the snake's intelligence and calm, business will be greatly improved in 2021. And at the same time, it will be a very good time in terms of wealth. So no matter what you do this year, we will be rewarded as snakes. So... I'm very happy about that. That was very good because mine was not as promising. So, well, it wasn't, it wasn't. So let's, let's see. So I am year of the monkey, whereas uh, Tracy's enigmatic, intelligent, and wise. I am sharp, smart, and curious. True. Yeah. yeah okay. So those born in the year of the monkey for this year, 2021, um, supposedly we'll have great luck in our careers for the first half of the year. It's 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 specific about the first half. So, I mean, if we do consider the new year starting on February 12th, then leading into the next half, I do get a little bit more hopeful because January was not getting me anywhere that I wanted to. So we'll see. Um, but it does mention that there will be opportunities to get rich. And overall, 2021 will be a year of harvest. Good. So interesting options. That's so very cool. We'll, we'll see. So now what was our compatibility, Kaylee, since you put that in? So <laughs> I was laughing when I saw this um, because like Spencer W. Kimball did say we can make any type of relationship work because Chinese Zodiac only put our compatibility at 40%. I was hoping for at least 60, um, but it does term us as tolerable. <laughs> So we are we're tolerable towards one another. And so it continued on to say that you have to be honest with each other with, without any holding back. You're both sensitive and a little bit nervous in mind, and you have reservations about or begrudge the other's abilities and chances in different situations and environments. Objectively speaking, you are too critical of each other, and you both want to be the best. With this habit... <laughs> Going to be serious, Tracy. I'm sorry, that's so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, and then so it says with this attitude, few problems are tolerated. As long as you understand and forgive each other, you can still be a winning couple or relationship people or anything, so on. So we can still be winning. 
Good. <laughs> so ultimately, we are making this work. I think our compatibility is at above 40%. Yeah, I agree. So <laughs> I just thought that was very interesting. I mean, we already are honest with each other without holding anything back. So Pretty I much, feel like yeah. we've already got that and that's what helps us stay Honestly, above yes. 40%. Agreed. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we've if we've managed to make it to what episode are we on now? Fifty seven. Yeah, this is fifty seven. Yes, and it's been over years, and we were already friends before this, so yeah, I think we are rocking this. I think we're fine personally. <laughs> we're we're great. So watch like it was very <laughs> watch this week. We have a major blow up, and we never oh, do no. this again. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's super funny. So, but it, I mean, it's a good reminder too um, of how we do need to take these, uh, these compatibility, these tests, these um, astrology, and all these ideas that they're not always going to be accurate, and we can ultimately be the person we want to be and build relationships how each person sees fit. Exactly. So now we're going to move over towards Western astrology which is based on a specific moment in time, a.k.a. your birth. It's founded on movements and relative positions of celestial bodies, such as the sun, moon, and planets, and how they relate to one another geometrically. There are also 12 houses which reveal your sun sign, a.k.a. your dominant sign. They are Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. So for me, astrology is super fascinating because what we know as our main sign is only half of the information. Like all of the other personality tests that we've seen and discussed already, there are more than one result and piece of the astrological puzzle that makes us who we are. So your sun sign is your main personality type. And then there's your moon sign, which is the second most important sign in your horoscope. That explains your emotions and your inner mood. Interesting. Okay. And then your rising sun is your ascendant or your social personality. So along with that are sister signs, which are signs that are directly opposite to you on the calendar, but match you perfectly. There are elemental signs, which are the element that your sign represents, like fire, water, earth, or air. And what planets your sun or moon are in show your essential dignity or detriment. So it's really cool when you start looking into everything and figuring out how it all works. I realize that not a lot of people believe in astrology, and that's fine. We're not trying to convince you to believe, but it is fascinating to read more about it and to understand how we are all connected to everything in the universe, including the planets and other celestial objects. So it's really cool. If you want to, you can take time to investigate it a little bit further. And yeah, that's pretty much what I got for that. Right. Well, and then like well said, and it reminds me that one of the reasons I have I enjoyed doing personality tests was to help me put into better context the kind of person that I believe that I am. So when I have a hard time like trying to describe myself, I can take a personality test and be like, okay, I do see it matching here. I do see that connection. That is correct. That's not as correct. And now I can put it into words what I really think who who I might be. So we are going to share with you how we are compatible according to our astrology as podcast hosts. So I am a Sagittarius sun sign with a Sagittarius moon. Girl, yes. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a Sagittarius and and I have Gemini rising. All right. So my sun is Leo. Love that. Uh, my moon is Libra. And my rising sun is Scorpio. Okay. So. Very cool. I don't really know what that means because I have not investigated as much as I could have. But um, did you mention the app? Oh, so there is a wonderful app available for your phone. It's called CoStar. It's C-O with a super dash and then S-T-A-R. The icon is a moon that's kind of like eclipsed a little bit. It's a great app if you want to learn more about your full chart. So it does ask you for your birthday and your birth time. 
so that way it can get the precise moment that it needs to give you your whole chart. And it'll show you not just your sun, moon, and rising sign. It'll also show you where like your Jupiter is, where your Venus is, and like where other planets are in your chart and how that affects your personality. Right. So I, so you can also connect with your friends on the app if you both have it downloaded and you um, add each other, accept each other so that then you can see your compatibility, um, which is super fun. So I'm going to uh, walk through ours. So it does mark them down for the day. So our update for uh, today it says that I like to step into the spotlight and share my big ideas with everyone. And Tracy is able to see how all the pieces fit together into the larger picture. Uh, Tracy wants to hear all your secret thoughts right now. I need to tell them that I'm interested in what she has to say and give her space to say it. But additionally, we do need to converse with each other without using words that have an E in them. So <laughs> you will have to cancel out this entire podcast episode and try again. <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> How do you have a conversation without the letter E? It's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> We're going to mime everything. Our next podcast episode will just be us silently. Dude, for them, it would be funny for us because we have video going. <laughs> it would be great. They hear absolutely nothing except for like, Ugh! <laughs> Maybe that'll have to be exclusive Patreon content. <laughs> Watch the video. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Okay. All right. Oh, moving on. Uh, all right. So the areas where we are most compatible um, are in our basic identities, our moods and emotions, our intellect and communication. Hey, hey. As well as our philosophies of life. Okay. That's a pretty cool addition. Or we're not really compatible when it comes to love and pleasure or in, in sex and aggression, which is okay. Which is perfect. That's fine. Um, okay, <laughs> but it does say we're also not compatible under for senses of responsibility, which cracks me up. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was, we're great. We can work great together, but we cannot be responsible with one another. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Okay, so those are the basics of how Tracy and I are compatible in CoStar. So that was fascinating and funny. It, it's a lot of fun to check out, actually. All right. So ultimately, what do personality tests really mean? So like we've already discussed, personality tests are a tool meant to clarify and predict how people may respond in different situations. We found an article titled, What is a Personality Test? by Kendra Cherry and Amy Morin on VeryWellMind.com. This is a site created by psychological professionals, doctors, and therapists who are dedicated to mental health balance. It's all about personality tests and how they relate to mental health and wellness. This article, Kendra states, these tests can help you learn more about yourself and better understand both your strengths and weaknesses. While all personality tests are different, learning that you might be high on a specific trait can help you gain greater insight into your own behavioral patterns. Like we've stated previously, they are a jumping off point and they should not be the definite answer to explaining everything about who you are. They should help you to reflect and improve on your weaknesses and even help you see what strengths you have. Like, for example, if you know from a personality test that you are more passive and reserved, maybe that can be a jumping off point for you to work on becoming more assertive and open. Personality tests are a great way for you to get insight into who you are and to help you gain a form of self-awareness. Right, exactly. Speaking of, Tracy, are there any weaknesses that you want to start working on? I have so many. Are you kidding? Well, it's working on ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Tracy. I have so many. I am a deeply flawed human, okay? Thanks for rubbing it in my face. We all have a lot to work on, Tracy. Goodness. We are lovable trash. We are brilliant people. We are perfection. And we are who we need to be in the moment. And that is good. So, yes, there's... There is a lot for us to continuously work on and we can continue to to try and be better or at least understand who we are so that we can use our, use 
our personalities, who we are to the best of our abilities. Overall, self-awareness is so important. So on positivepsychology.com, there is a great article by Courtney Ackerson, who is an author and master of organizational psychology. And they wrote, what is self-awareness and why is it important with five ways to increase it? So she says, self-awareness is the ability to see yourself clearly and objectively through reflection and introspection. While it may not be possible to attain total objectivity about oneself, there are certainly degrees of self-awareness that exist on a spectrum. When we engage in self-evaluation, we can give some thought to whether we are thinking, feeling, and acting as we should or in alignment with our standards and values. Self-awareness is a necessary building block to emotional intelligence. It is a building block upon which the rest of the components are built. So anytime we or church leaders um, or anyone tells you to look inward to see your weaknesses, what they are, and where you can improve, that's what self-awareness is. It's taking time to look at yourself for who you really are, for investigating where your weaknesses, faults, and strengths are, like Tracy said, and how you can use this knowledge to improve. Self-awareness allows you to boost your self-acceptance and confidence to see things from others' perspectives. It helps you to practice self-control, experience pride in ourselves and who we can be as the amazing people that we are. And additionally, very importantly, makes us better communicators. Developing self-awareness is critical for emotional intelligence as well as becoming a better human and disciple of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Developing self-awareness is not an easy skill. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and a lot of humility. If you're unsure if you are self-aware or if you have self-awareness, or if you're teetering on the edge of lacking self-awareness, you should ask yourself the following questions. Do I blame others for friendships or relationships turning south? Do I get defensive when I am given feedback? Do I believe I am ever in the wrong or at fault for things? Do I say what I mean when I'm upset or do I say, nothing, it's fine? Can I laugh at myself and learn from my mistakes? And finally, am I truly a good listener or do I just wait for someone else to stop talking so that I can talk? Ooh. Yeah, these are very harsh questions to ask yourself, but... If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be lacking self-awareness. I would suggest doing research on how to develop self-awareness online through psychological journals and through Preach My Gospel Chapter 6, which is in the Developing Christlike Attributes section, and specifically look at the section on humility in that chapter. I have definitely gone through this myself. When you are a missionary, you have to face those questions regularly because you have to make your companionship work no matter what. And so those are questions that you have to constantly be asking yourself. And because of my mission, I figured out where I am on the self-awareness spectrum. And it has definitely helped me a lot. So I highly recommend taking time to ask yourself those questions again, and we'll put them in the episode notes and possibly in the Instagram post for the episode. So that way you can do your own self-awareness evaluation. Exactly. Yes. I think that is super important for us to become who we are meant to be, who God knows we can be, and who the world needs us to be. Um, developing Christ-like attributes and values is so important. We have discussed uh, developing these attributes before in our episode about becoming better disciples of Jesus Christ in episode 49, as well as other episodes before that. But we did want to highlight this once again because everything we've covered today can be boiled down to introspection, reflection, and working on yourself. In the chapter, uh, in chapter six of Preach My Gospel, it says, just as vital as what you do, however, is who you are and who you are becoming. The restored gospel enables you to become like Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. The Savior has shown the way. He has set the perfect example, and he commands us to become as he is. Learn of him and seek to incorporate his attributes into your life. Through the power of his atonement, you can achieve this goal and lead others to achieve it also. Ask your Heavenly Father to bless you with these attributes. You cannot develop them without his help. With a desire to please God, recognize your weaknesses and be willing and anxious to improve. I love that quote. That is very good. I really love it because, yes, the Lord loves who you are right now, 
but he also knows who you can become. And that is more important than who you are currently. And for you to take the time to think about who you can become and to work with the Lord on that through developing Christ-like attributes, through repentance, and through the power of the atonement, that is the most important thing you can do in your life is to continuously work on yourself and be willing and anxious to improve yourself. Exactly, exactly. And so this is one of the reasons we did want to do this episode, because it is super fun to take these tests. It's fun to figure out who you are, to see how compatible you are with other people. But ultimately, we can't rely on those tests to answer all of our questions. We need to remember that we need to put Christ into the picture. We need to remember that we are filled with potential, that we are constantly changing and growing, and so are the people around us. So as we build relationships, whether they are, you know, friendships, like romantic relationships, any kind of relationship that you're in, we need to be making sure that we are doing our best to be our best. We need to have that emotional maturity to be self-aware and to be our best ultimately. Yeah, I agree with everything that you've just shared, Kaylee. Amen. So to wrap up this episode, we know that personality tests are super fun and compatibility tests are really fun and entertaining and they're a good way for us to understand more about who we are. But we shouldn't rely on those for the definitive answers to our questions of who am I and are we compatible? Mm -hmm. Kaylee and I love a good personality test just as much as the next person. They provide good insight and a jumping off point for us to discover who we are and what makes us unique. They're just fun. If any of these personality tests or discussions that we've had today inspire you to learn more, then please do that. Take the steps to learn more about yourself and definitely do things like the Christ-like attribute inventory assessment in Preach My Gospel Chapter 6. Like Kaylee said, there is nothing more important than working on yourself and becoming a better disciple of Christ with the Savior. So ultimately, remember that you are a child of God who has unique skills You have unique talents and gifts that make you the only one of your kind. And that should be more important than any result to any personality test that you take. Exactly. Amen to that. So we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of learning about who, I guess, Tess think that Tracy and I are and how well we work together. And hopefully you can make judgments for yourself. Um, I mean, not about us. Don't ta- don't test us. Don't quit. No. <laughs> don't judge us. No. We don't know. <laughs> no. We don't care. <laughs> but you can take these tests if you want to, or you can focus on uh, the inventory assessment, attribute inventory assessment, and preach my gospel to figure out who you are, who you want to be, and start working towards that. Exactly. And let us know how it goes, because we want to hear all about it. Yes. We definitely do want to know how it goes. So... Thanks again for listening this week, guys. We will see you all next week. Cheers. Bye. Bye.